This is your host, Vernon Terrell, with Grace Ministries International. And it's time for Walking Free. And welcome back, everyone. Today, we've got an exciting show. I have uh, Kendall Flo. Uh, he's the owner and director of Hidden River Counseling in Roswell, Georgia. So welcome, Kendall. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Vern. And uh, today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Kendall and his story and how he came to understand grace and what he's focusing on uh, in his counseling ministry with his team of counselors uh, in Roswell, Georgia. So, Kendall, let me start out uh, and ask the question. Uh, When we talk about this idea of grace and or this idea of Christian counseling, not all Christian counseling is the same, is it? Oh, by no means. Uh, There's there's a, a wide a wide spectrum of Christian counseling from my experience and um, not, not all of it. um, I'm sad to say is really focused on grace. Uh, Quite a bit of what I see is um, more, whether unbeknownst to the clients or even the clinicians based on what I would refer to as elder brother theology. Right. Mm. Right. I mean, I see a lot of, Folks, when they go through Christian counseling, some of the experiences, and we get uh, at Grace Ministries, we will uh, be the recipients of folks who have gone through some secular counseling and no shade on the secular counselors. There's some incredible ones out there. Uh, but we we are the recipients of those who have been uh, just told how to cope in life, and they're mm-hmm. given some coping strategies, or uh, they have been uh, shamed with their sin, believe it or not, through Christian counseling. Do you ever mm-hmm. see that? Oh yeah, that's that's well said. I think uh, it is. I I, I have uh, sat in many many of sessions with uh, clients, um, switching therapists or whatnot, and and the impact from from uh, uh, man the, the unfortunately the the impact from from therapists telling clients that God's disappointed in them and they need to try harder is I think oftentimes more difficult to untangle and find healing uh, and freedom from than I think the, even some of the secular impacts because uh, behaviorism is one thing, right? Uh, behavior, people teaching them how to cope and how to have better behavior is one thing. And for secular uh, therapy, I think it can really relieve some symptoms, but, Mm-hmm. I think for for um, for Christians who are told that um, you know God God's ashamed of you mm-hmm. for doing what you're doing, um, I really I feel like that's far more within the context of spiritual warfare than than the the former. Right. I, it makes me angry. Oh uh, man, it's really hard <laughs> for me. I've had plenty of times in sessions with people, man, where I've had to. Um, and I, I can really identify with it I, I, where I've, um, I've had uh, clients talk to me about things that their church or their uh, therapist has told them about, um, about how their behavior defines them and mm-hmm. how God, God judges them by their behavior and how you're no longer fit for ministry because of this or you're disqual- your sin disqualifies you from 
oh, ministry yeah. and 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 uh you're you can know you can't come to the i've even heard things like you're you're no longer allowed to come to the table uh because of your sin uh and man i've had this on several different occasions i've had to um really avoid um I've had to settle myself um, right. even take a minute outside the session because I'm, it, it makes me so mad. Um, it really feels like a, a holy discontent in which I could actually probably do some damage if I actually let what I wanted to come out of my mouth in that space because it just feels so, so incredibly toxic to me uh, and damaging. Right. And as you said, uh, it's, it's, some some counseling, and this is not all, but this is they're they're just out there in some churches. Can I? You hear about the millennial deconstruction of faith? That right. is the big terminology mm-hmm. uh, nowadays, and often that is because of all of these shame type messages oh, yeah. they're giving in church, and so they're done with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're done. And so so, how did your story begin? I mean, were you just raised in this idea of God's grace and his uh, incredible love for you. And you just came through this wonderful uh, early childhood like that. How did it start with you? No, I, you know, I grew up in a very loving and, and, and Christian uh, home, uh, grew up Baptist actually. And um, no shade on Baptist in that space. Um, And, uh, I was raised in a very well-meaning space and a lot of my temperament and, and, and even examples that went before me, I think built, uh, uh, set me up towards elder brother, uh, theology, elder brother. It's up to me. And, and, and the difficult part for me, Vernon, this is, this may come across as, as, uh, this isn't intended to be arrogant. This is more, uh, in a odd way, it's more repentance of, mm. of the, uh, my the biggest problem for me is that I was told that I could do it, and therefore I I um, I, I was really good at doing the right thing, right? I was really good at hitting the bars, and um, I was chasing the applause of whether it be my parents at a young age, or my friends, or teachers, or mentors, or pastors, or coaches, or you know, as I grew up, um, I was. I, I was chasing um, the affirmation of my flesh, right? The flesh is... You know, and you were I, good at it. You did it was, well. And that was the problem, to be honest with you. It's why it lasted so long, because um, the, this is the part that feels odd, I feel uncomfortable with, but it's like it felt like the, the whole world's clapping, right? Mm. Um, but I'm uh, so tired, right? I was so tired. I got to a point where... I went to school, I went to, you know, through high school and, and went to college at a, uh, Christian university, had a great experience, but same thing. It was this, uh, keep up. Um, I was the guy juggling, uh, spinning plates, right. Yeah. Uh, and trying to make sure nothing fell and whether it be people's perception of me or, 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 uh, my, it was just my performance in, in various different arenas. Right. And, uh, and then I, when I graduated, I got an opportunity to come be a, um, uh, a youth pastor. And, uh, I came back and, and the, the 
head pastor said, Hey, okay, here's, here's 250 kids. Um, I want you to teach them the gospel. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. That's great. I know I, I was, you know, I know Roman road and I know I can walk them through, you know, let's go do some scripture memory. I mean, it was ridiculous what I was trying to do. And I got, <laughs> and I got, I got into it as I continued, cause I was earnestly attempting to do my best in that space. Like I yeah. always had. Right. And I believed I could, and I'm going to, and I got, I had this really, uh, uh, deeply undoing uh, in the most beautiful sense of the word season of my life, uh, because I realized that I was, I had the, the clarity, I guess, to, to, to be willing to, um, say, I have no idea what that is. The gospel. Like I have, mm-hmm. I have, I have. And I would see, I was in like a small group of some friends of mine and they would come together and they'd talk about the spirit and they'd talk about grace and they'd talk about their experience with God. And I just got so angry because I was so, I felt I, I didn't understand and I didn't get it. And I was frustrated. I felt like they were lying. And if they weren't, I remember being at a coffee shop and saying to God, um, I was just so intensely dissatisfied and so intensely tired I was exhausted of working. I was exhausting of trying. I was exhausted of it. Just I'm here sitting here 20, I was 24, 23. And I was just like, I have what 50, 60 more years of this. Like how, how mm. I'm so I'm tired and I'm in my early twenties. Like I can't keep doing this. And I, at a coffee shop, I remember saying to God, uh, I said, um, God, if this is all there is, I don't want it. Right. I, I don't want it. This is, Right. If this is all you have for me. I, I'm done. Um, I, I, I'm going to walk away because I. This isn't life. This can't be life. This isn't you know this shame based. Keep up appearances. Work hard. Push uh, to, to to hit the bar. To to you know, uh, Brendan Manning says uh, to paint the portrait for the admiration of friends. Right. Wow. Um, yes. Uh, and that was what I was doing for sure. And this is before. I had really read all the Brendan Manning stuff and the Henry Nowen stuff and the Tim Keller stuff and the, and the grace ministries, but before grace ministries as well. Um, and, uh, that season was pretty insane because I, I, uh, uh, after I said that it was, it was the, the very, the analogy I used then was that God backed the truck up on me, right. And it was not on me, but he, he backed the dump truck up and dumped it on me in the form of grace because I started to have really honest conversations with him and with people in my life about the truth of what I was feeling about my faith and about, about who I was and how tired I was. And, and I started to get really intensely vulnerable with people uh, about uh, what I was ashamed of in my life um, and what I'd hidden for so long. And, and, uh, and I started reading things like, like Baba's child and, and uh, Henry Nowen's work and reading stuff from Keller. And about that time, actually, uh, <clears throat> involved in this back the truck up moment is, you know, I did the, the I don't know what you guys call it now, but then it was called externship, I believe, or GMI. Um, right. And me and my closest friend did that. Uh, and I... Yeah, I have hard I have a hard time explaining the, the transformative space there um, because I was so, I came into that program so raw and so tired and so open, honestly, uh, to um, something new and uh, 
beginning to understand. I tell people all the time in sessions, and even friends of mine, <clears throat> I said, you know, heaven isn't what seduced me to the gospel. Um, heaven is, is, is a beautiful uh, part of what it means to be a believer, but it's not what seduced me to be the gospel. I don't know, Bernie, you, this may be somewhat heretical, but for me, um, what seduced me to the gospel was not heaven. What seduced me to the gospel was the the eyes of Jesus saying, it's no longer up to you. Like, you don't have to, it's not up to you anymore. Like, right. to make your life work, to make yourself valuable, to make yourself good. You don't have to do it. It's, it the invitation to surrender and beginning to struggle with, okay, I have to surrender. How do I do surrender? Which is one of my favorite questions that clients get to. When mm. clients ask that question, it's just, oh, okay, you're right at the edge. Because that question is just going to frustrate you to the point where you don't have anywhere else to go but to surrender, right? Right. Which is where real freedom began for me, right? So it's been quite a journey of the elder brother um, and recognizing my, my, uh, the, what I call the, the, the the depths of my depravity, right? Because right. the depths of my depravity was not younger brother flesh, right? The depths of my depravity was the moment when I looked at, at all the things I'd done, like 24, 25, I looked at, and I was looking at through the, as I was studying idolatry, um, and uh, I looked at everything that I'd done in my life and all the good and the missing trips and the, the people I had witnessed to and the the the, 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 the every good deed that I'd done in my life and all the notches on your belt, all the notches. And there were plenty of them. And I God, uh, in a very loving way, in the way that I see him confronting Peter after denying him three times in a very loving and kind way. Uh, he, um, he revealed to the, to me in this moment that I hadn't, I had never done anything in my life with a pure motive that wasn't serving me in some way, all mm -hmm. the good that I had done, all the altruism and all the, all the giving and the loving and the, the serving in some way was to earn something for me. Right. And that crushed me because in that space, looking in the depths of my depravity that I have no ability to earn value. And my God just took my ability to earn value and exposed it as idolatrous and uh, in that space, I had no choice but to say, uh, like uh, the disciples, like, I don't have anywhere else to go. I have mm. nowhere else to go. Right. Is that a point, you know, this, and you said when, when someone starts to ask the question, how do I surrender? Mm -hmm. uh, there, there are people who don't like that word. It, it, oh, of course. Because they, they say, hey, it's, it's now I surrender to an enemy. So is God my enemy? Yeah. So I must surrender to him. How do you answer that? Yeah, that's, a, that's interesting. Uh, people hate getting to that point, and they have to suffer a good bit to even get to the point mm -hmm. of being willing to ask that question because everything in our society, and it's even especially because I see, for the most part, I, see, uh, I do a lot of couples work, but I see a lot of men. And for men to get to the point of choosing to surrender, I mean, they, they've got a... Um, uh, a mountain of the hyper masculine narrative to work through. Right. right? <clears throat> but, uh, it's, it's, it's a paradox because to surrender is to get, is to admit I have no power and I can't do it on my own. And it's to choose to, that there's a, uh, choose to believe that the father is, is good and that surrendering to him is, 
is where freedom is really found because the only way, if I don't surrender, then it's up to me in some way, right? And I, and I use the <clears throat> illustration of it's saying, no, it's, it's not the, the surrender to an enemy. It's surrendering to your lifeguard who's out there. You're flopping yeah. in the ocean trying to fight and do everything in your strength to get to get back or to, to save yourself. You can't do it. And you have to surrender really to the lifeguard, believing the lifeguard is on your side. It, it wants to help you and is capable of helping you. Yep. And it's that same idea with God. You're fighting and struggling in life and, and you're going nowhere and 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 you have to almost get so tired. Yep. Mm-hmm that you that you you have almost no choice <laughs> yes and that's true i think and watchman knee i think said it best for me at least my soul was able to receive it uh you know watchman knee yeah, oh yeah yep. one of my favorites <clears throat> yeah and uh he in i think it was normal christianity but uh um he said or normal christian is it normal christian normal, normal christian, christian life. life yeah uh he said similar to what you're saying he said you know if you're drowning and someone tries to save you, they won't be able to, but you, you have to, you have to give up. And he said, God is waiting. This almost feels cruel to some people, mm. right? But it's, it's really a beautiful space because God knows uh, the freedom that comes in the truly giving up. But he said, God is waiting for the exhaustion of your resources, right? I think that's phenomenal. Exactly. Uh, and that's this idea of, we talk about this idea of brokenness, and we'll say God doesn't want, God doesn't want to break you. He loves the new you that he made, but yeah. God wants to break everything you're depending on for life, for for security, for value and worth, uh, for success even, for all of that, for love. He wants to break all of those things. That you're trying, where you're trying, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, and some people goes. feel like that's cruel. People believe that's, uh, <laughs> or, or get that twisted of like, why would God want to take all that away? It's because God understands that if He doesn't break all that, then in some way it's still up to you and mm. to make your life work and to find value. And that is not freedom. That's, that's, that is, He is relentlessly committed to the ministry of our freedom and will stop at nothing. Right. Hey, that's that's a beautiful thing. And so you wrestled with this in your uh, as you're approaching in your mid twenties. Um, when when did the, all that again start to when the light turned on was was mm-hmm. when you're going through, and I won't say it was the GMI, but that was uh, one was a part huge of it. Facet, huge facet of it. Yeah. So, it was, so how did that? Was it in the group? Was it something that was there a verse? Was it? Just the experience. What kind of made the difference? Hmm. You know, I, I it's I got I just I really I really did get to that the the end of like I said when when God exposed that my hmm. primary source of life was worthless, um, but was was actually wasn't providing me what I longed for. I had nothing to. I hadn't you know it's. <clears throat> the analogy I often use is talking about the that that I already referenced it, but yeah. when the disciple, when Jesus is is you know four thousand people following him, and he gets to the point where he's asking, uh, he's talking about the, for the first time about uh, the sacraments. You you will eat my body and drink my blood, and all these you know three thousand nine hundred and eighty-eight. That'll people, send the crowd right there. Right, right. Take off and. You know, Jesus turns around and the 12 are still there and he says, are you not going to leave too? And 
and they say we have nowhere else to go and the the, the beauty of that is for me is like how like they these people actually believed this is the first mm-hmm. time in human history anybody's talked about that right and so they believe he's actually about to let him let us eat him right like he's saying we're going to have to eat this man and they're saying we have nowhere else. this is how desperate we are right mm. how desperate do you have to be right to 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 be willing to eat someone right and that's that's kind of how i felt in that space where i was like i i can't i can't keep doing this i got i got i got nothing left and 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 in that space i i i um i continue to lean into getting really vulnerable and transparent because i think it empowers the, the grace empowers the ability to be known in a way that i had never been by of course by god but by people in my life and you can do it, that earlier could you no, because of gosh. that front you had to have that strong front that you're always on top of your game yeah listen i was a liar back then mm. right uh because <clears throat> i uh it was i couldn't stand to uh, it was it was excru- you know i often say you know when you're it, my image the way i looked to people my reputation was my oxygen yeah right like I didn't have a choice. It's the only the only way I could in my brain was processing I could live was if I was admired and admonished and the world was clapping. If it wasn't, then I was dying. It felt like, and so therefore, I would lie. I would. I couldn't. You could, no way I could show my shadow self. No way I could show people my struggle. My my. And this is a has become a big piece of my engagement as a clinician and and as a and continue to do ministry in very various context of 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 um you know fighting uh shame within that context right. of right of uh, condemnation romans 8 1 and 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 hey like the, the in the the darkness it, it, in the light the darkness will not overcome right and the darkness is what causes this whether whatever behavior or whatever you know unraveling to to, to continue is is Oftentimes the darkness. So I'm inviting people and fighting shame. Like, hey, tell me the truth. What happened? What's going on? What's the real? What's the real thing? What's really going on in your head? What's the real stuff that you're, you're, uh, you experienced as a kid that you've never talked about? Like these things are, you know, it's like there's so much freedom in in the life. Just the sharing. Just the sharing is the beginning. It's not everything, but you can't. You know, I I I often I often say, uh, you know, because if you share the story, then you can begin to understand some of the belief systems, right, that, that are mm-hmm. underneath that that have been woven into their their existence. And 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 I often say, you cannot a wound that has not um, that you you cannot heal a wound that you have not revealed, right? You cannot right. Right, until or and uh, the every. Um, Healing always require, requires tears and grief in that space, grieving over that space. But until you've actually brought it into the light, you can't change or dispute a belief that you don't know exists, that you're unwilling to bring into the light, right? So, And, and that's why, for me anyways, and maybe for you, I don't know, that uh, back in the day, as a young Christian, uh, I was very performance-oriented as well. And accountability groups just weren't going to do it for me no. because mm-hmm. I would just lie. I, w- I would use it enough to show how good I was doing. Yep. Uh, and then if, if they asked me a question that I would have to share my failure, uh, nope, all good. Yeah. All mm-hmm. good. It, 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 it was awful for me. Those 
and maybe for some they work. Uh, I prefer encouragement groups versus accountability groups, but mm-hmm. um, that stuff never worked. Yeah, <clears throat> you, it kind of, I, have, I have very interesting thoughts on on accountability uh, because I, I, I think we speak similar language in that mm. space. I, I, I talk to men all the time when I do speaking stuff of who, because a lot of the groups I do are in some sort of accountability or even I'm speaking to accountability groups in a large context. And oftentimes I'll, I'll tell them that, uh, that I really don't think that accountability partners in groups, the way we, tr- they have transitioned into are really effective. Like that don't like you, you, you go to your partner or your accountability group and say, Hey, I messed up this week in this way. And they're like, okay, like, how do you do better? Right. Do this better. Right. How do you, Let's, or why even some some context like come on man like get it together like what why are you doing that like that's that's so dishonoring of of God or you know. and I I feel like true authentic community I'll say um, mm-hmm. is in the context of you say encouragement groups is um, when it, the primary piece here is to, is or primary real lasting value is for me or you or whoever to be able to bring um, things that are potentially already shaming, like whether it be a thought or an action or uh, whatever it is and that we're ashamed of or that we're struggling with or feeling guilty over. And the community's job, I believe, is not to to correct them, I believe it's to remind them of who they yes. are in Christ, right? Yes. It, because I believe that's where the only real power to change anything comes from. It, it, me just saying, hey, man, get it together. Stop doing that. Uh, versus, hey, man, like, I hear you. And you are holy, righteous, blameless, without stain or blemish. And you're accepted. And I'll hold that shame with you. But that doesn't define you. Right. Let's talk about what defines you. Thank you. I'm, right. And... To me, that is the, that, that's the most productive, ironically, way to change people's behavior, right? Because accountability <clears throat> groups, by their definition, focus on sin. Yeah, I don't want to focus on sin. Right. I want to focus on who I am in Jesus Christ. I want to mm-hmm. focus on my forgiveness in Christ, my righteousness in Christ, my mm-hmm. the overcoming power and victory I have in Christ. Right. Did I make a bad call, bad decision? Okay. Right. That doesn't define me, and it, and I want to encourage that person. Hey, uh, is that who you are? No. Did you make a bad decision? Yeah. Could there mm-hmm. be consequences? Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, are you forgiven already? Yeah. Righteous? Yep. Uh, and mm-hmm. I want to encourage them in that to not wallow in it. Was it um, Hannah Whittall Smith that said um, that your wallowing in sin is worse than the original sin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. That's, uh, so, that's really good. Well, tell me a little bit right now about uh, does Hidden River Counseling have a primary focus? Uh, who do you see? Do you have a specialty uh, that you really is kind of really trips your trigger, defines Hidden River, or uh, give us a little bit more on that? Yeah, and we, we there's seven of us right now, um, so we have a pretty decent span but uh the the origin of the company and really still some of the heartbeat of it is within the context of uh a fair recovery um sexual brokenness um those two pieces but from that you can't you know as i've you know because when i went to gmi i 
realized that I wanted to do something like this and that spurred me to go get my master's in counseling. So then I learned all about, I began to understand the brain and how we hold trauma and how we hold trauma in the body. So you can't deal with sexual brokenness or a fair recovery without dealing with trauma. So we are treating trauma within the context of uh, sexuality predominantly. However, we do a ton of anxiety work and depression work and we see adult, you know, an adolescent specialists on staff and, and um, seeing uh, families in crisis. And, but it, the heartbeat of it is um, treating the whole family, the, the impact the whole family suffers from sexual brokenness in a, in a marriage. Wow, that's huge. And I mean, huge, um, I hate to use a business word, and, and a huge market, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, oh, yeah. right now, when you look at the statistics out mm-hmm. there, yeah, uh, folks. Do you, um, you know, often we focus when when we talk in about sexual betrayal, we often focus on the woman who has been betrayed. But do, do you see the reverse? You're saying, do you do I see the the offending or the injuring spouse? Yes. Do you see the? Yeah. Or in, in other words, do you see the injured spouse as being the husband? Uh, not just the wife. Does that uh, come across your path? Oh yeah, it does. But you know, it is um, as you, you might expect. I mean, I, I'd say probably. It, you know, I hesitate to even uh, say stats on that because I think the uh, the um, the men who have been betrayed. One of the things I'm realizing is one of the most difficult parts of it is they feel like an alien, right? Mm. Because of these statistics, they feel like I must be so screwed up because right. who cheats on their husband, right? Is what, right. because of the, you know, the other side, everybody, exactly what you're saying. And so I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to even go down the road of like this sure. 15% because I, I have a heart for it. it is a painful space for men to feel on at that island. But the truth is, yes, of course, naturally it is offset in that direction right but you but there's both sides there's men who are betrayed and there are women who are betrayed and and one of the heartbeats of hidden uh hidden river counseling is of course working with them individually but i I would think the ideal is if you can bring them together in that healing of course yeah we have there's trauma specialists for both men and women uh from and what we'll do normally is we'll, we'll do an assessment with the couple and uh, various assessments to find out where they're at, if they're ready for couples work, if they need individual, if they need both, if we need to do a full disclosure, if we need to, you know, what, if they're in triage or if they're in recovery, right? And, uh, and but ultimately, of course, our hope and heartbeat is for reconciliation of the marriage, for, for healing and for, and the beauty here, one of my favorite parts about my job is that, and I tell couples this, and I got to be careful when I tell them this because I might get slapped because if they're in too much <laughs> visceral pain and I mm. say this, I'll never see them again. But uh, I believe that, and this will probably offend people listening that are, if they're in the midst of it because it's hard, but I really, I've, I've been doing this long enough and seen it enough to say it pretty confidently that I, I think that the one of the reasons I love the affair recovery journey or the infidelity or the betrayal journey is for both the betrayed and the betrayer it is an invitation towards wholeness and healing that was not actually attainable without mm. that 
that undoing. Right. Um, and, and oftentimes the men and women who stay with the process and hold in that space and really do their individual and their couples work, they, uh, they will come to a place. I'm sure you've heard it, Vernon, of like mm-hmm. where the, where the betrayed partners will say, "I'm glad it happened." Yeah, yeah. Because we no way we'd be anywhere as whole and as as, as full and as free as we are now. God used that, that tragedy uh, as bad uh, and as wrong as it was, and God used it uh, to bring them together in a deeper uh, place in their relationship. Uh, and even uh, as contradictory as it may sound, into a deeper level of trust uh, right. in their mm-hmm. relationship. That's right. Yep. So, so I, let me encourage uh, folks: uh, if you're uh, know someone, or if you're in this place yourself, uh, you've got a place to go at Hidden River Counseling, and you do not only. Or let me ask you: Do you do both virtual and in person? We do, we do, uh, for sure. Uh, however, um, if we're doing triage work, I'm gonna, outside of very rare occasions, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put together at least, even if they're out of state, I'm gonna put together at least a intensive where they come in the office because our, your presence in that space to to regulate and ground them is so important. And mm-hmm. even though I, I'm 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 okay with online, and we do that all day, or not all day. You know, every right. day at least. Um, when you're dealing with the type of work we're just talking about, um, yeah, there's really value difficult. in the presence, being oh, yeah. in the presence. That you can't replace that. You really can't. Yeah. Well, uh, that is that's incredible. I, I, I'm going to ask folks again um, to check out what's the uh, website for Hidden River? Just hiddenrivercounseling.com. Hiddenrivercounseling.com. Check them out. And uh, if God's leading you, and this is what we say, just as I close this uh, podcast episode, uh, if God is leading you as you're listening and you've been um, listening to Kendall and his story and his heartbeat, and if God's leading you uh, in that direction, then we want you to take a next step. Maybe you've been talking about it a long time, but as we always say as we close the podcast, Uh, This may be your time to stop talking about it and start walking. You've been listening to Walking Free, a production of Grace Ministries International in Marietta, Georgia. For more information, go to our website at gmint.org. That's G-M-I-N-T dot O-R-G.